Broadcasting worldwide from the Totesuck Studio in beautiful central Arkansas. You're listening to Bad Choices at Bourbon. I'm Dan Decker at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. Uh, and joining me this week, uh, the one and only uh, John Billingsley, uh, purveyor of uh, many fucks on Twitter um, and a big uh, person in the entertainment industry. Uh, and uh, just want to welcome you to the show, John. How are you? I'm well. None of that is true. I'm a tiny little person in the entertainment industry. And it's beautiful Arkansas. How beautiful is it? It's beautiful central Arkansas. It's beautiful central Arkansas is very beautiful beautiful. to me. Uh, We are the natural state. Um, And we, uh, the central uh, part of the state has probably the most diverse um, uh, everything. So you got a lot of the geology, you got a lot of the um, uh, forestry and everything like that in easy driving distance. And then uh, you know, that's where the Billingsleys are from. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, in our correspondence. So you you come from this region as well. Uh, we, we could very yeah, well my, be related. We could be related. The Billingsley seem to be related to everybody. We were a, we were a promiscuous family. Um, yes, uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Alabama. That's a pretty where, good stretch. Uh, yeah, it's where well, the Billingsleys are from. you got to skip Mississippi to get out to Alabama. Uh, well, I'm sure there are probably a few stray Billingsleys in Mississippi. I used to get invited to the family reunions, but it was like, I don't think the liberal from Connecticut is probably going to make his way down there. I'm not sure I would make it back alive. Uh, you um, know, yeah, my grandfather, territory. Yeah, my grandfather was a fireman and a fire chief, in effect, in Oklahoma City. And he had oh, wow. he was one of, I think, 10 brothers. Uh, and they were all from Arkansas. Oh, and I've been Arkansas is one of like four states I've never been to. <laughs> Roots here, but never, never bothered. Yeah, not out of any. Not. It's not like I avoided Arkansas. It's not like I drove around Arkansas. But I've just never been to Arkansas. Well, it's uh, there's there's uh, a barbecue awaiting you if you ever do. Uh, you're more than welcome. Is there a futon as well? Is there? Uh, well, is there's, there a, there's a good lazy boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lazy boy. Pretty good. Yeah. There's a lazy boy here at the Decker Estate. All right. Uh, I'll try. So, I'll get Studios are a well accoutrement. But I'll I'll take you up on the uh, barbecue. Heck yeah, man! That's well, uh, we plan a throwdown once COVID is uh, once COVID is over. So no, fuck! I know I can't wait. I used to we threw parties all the time, and I'm just tearing my hair out. Well, uh, I you know I yeah. was a very um, uh, I was very prolific uh, karaokeer. I don't even know if that's a word. Oh well. yeah, love to do oh. the karaoke. Uh, so I'm missing that quite a lot because wow, you really don't probably want I'll to stay home and man the barbecue while you're karaoke and the <laughs> yeah, barbecue we'll, will still be there when you get back. I that's promise. right. We'll, we'll acapella the karaoke because no one wants to share a microphone these days. I'm sure. And who could sing through a mask? Uh, even even before COVID, I you'd be hard pressed to get me to karaoke. <laughs> I, I I'd say that, except you know, one of the things that happens when you go to a lot of these conventions, particularly the bigger conventions, is they they try and get some of the actors to host karaoke night. Oh, so I'm sure. in spite of in spite of my protestations, I I don't ever sing karaoke, but I will host karaoke, and I will try and incite the audience into dancing. And, so you and DJ. Drinking. You DJ. I DJ. I, I, I DJ and I make fun of people's choices and oh, a little well, bit yeah. they're singing well, and a little bit they're dancing. I don't and dance. Just, yeah. at the, I just stand there like a, uh, a stump, but I can I can sing a few of the I can sing a few songs yeah. pretty well. You know, what's, to my own what would be like if you were on an abandoned if you were on a desert island with a karaoke machine? Yeah. What would you choose to serenade the palm trees with? 
Well, I'd have, if I could take a couple songs with me, it would be uh, Tribute by Tenacious D and uh, Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Uh, pretty good at those two, right? You know. All right. Well, those yeah. are those are two l- lucky palm trees, is all I can say. That guy's singing Weezer again. That's right. Like every, oh my god, that's I know. Weird. Every rodent on the island is like, stop singing fucking Weezer. Jesus. <laughs> can you just mix it up a little? You know. I know. It's like what is that movie with Tom Hanks and the volleyball? It'd be the oh, volleyball. Yeah, it's like yeah. the runaway would off. the volleyball run away from home if you were on that island. Wilson would probably be my volleyball. Uh, we didn't play any Wilson Phillips, you know. Hold on to one more thing. <laughs> you feel free to conduct a normal interview. I just, I just keep talking. So oh, that's this I'm, shows. I'm really... We just talk. That's what we do. So, oh, okay, good. Uh, you know, I mean, you can tell me uh, since I'm not like a stalker kind of guy, and you can talk to me about where John Billingsley came from. You mentioned Connecticut. What's that all about? I was going to say, even if you were a stalker guy, you live in Arkansas. So it's like, I'm not too worried. I mean, it's like, it's going to take you like 10 days to get here. Yeah. So I probably you got plenty of time. Uh, to get. I, I lived all over the place, actually. I, uh, I was born in um, Media, Pennsylvania. I lived in Fayetteville, New York, Schenectady, New York, Huntsville, Alabama, Slidell, Louisiana, New Orleans, Manhattan, Connecticut. I went to school in Vermont. I lived in London. I lived in Chicago. I lived in Seattle and I've been in Los Angeles for 26 years. Wow. You have been everywhere, man, to quote another Arkansan. Yeah. As as a kid, it was kind of interesting because, you know, we were uprooted, it seemed like every third Thursday and (laughs) moving to uh, Connecticut from the, actually Manhattan briefly, and then Connecticut from the deep South. Wow, was, yeah, that's a culture, real shock. culture shock. Yeah, real culture shock, and even more than culture shock. Uh, I, you know, it was just like I talk like this. Oh my I la, I la, hi, I'm John. Oh my and, you know, the northern children, the northern children beat that out of you. It's like they will, they will change your dialect quickly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, had a southern accent and a lisp. So how the fuck I became an actor is a small miracle. See, there you go. Well, uh, that's how you became an actor is learning to overcome those things. You know, it, it, it was a yeah, if you can disaffect your southern accent, um, uh, that you know. was forced upon me, and yeah. my parents were uh, were wise enough to recognize that uh, that I should have some speech therapy lessons. Cool. And so yeah, so they got me some speech therapy, and then they had a mandatory school audition in the I can't remember sixth grade, I think, for the school play, which was uh, a Christmas Carol, oh, and wow. because I liked to read and I could read off the page. Um, with a certain amount of uh, persuasiveness, I got cast in the lead. And up until then, it was like, nobody talked to me. And suddenly I was like the star. Ha-ha. <laughs> and so at that point, it was like, I'm an actor. I didn't care about the art. I just cared about, even in the sixth grade, I basically cared about the babes. Yeah, it was the like, attention, the accolades. Yeah, care about the yeah, attention. Yeah. I, I, awful, I'm horrible. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Well, you know, I and mean, then got you here today. Um, it got me here. It got me here today. I know the very pinnacle of my of this my podcast, career. heard by sixty some odd people on a weekly basis. This is the 
this six, is it. This is what you've worked six, for your entire life. <laughs> entire my entire life. I know. This is I'm missing the second half of the Packers game for you, baby. How about that? Oh, see, that is great. I appreciate that because I saw that uh -huh. was going on. I, I want to uh -huh. do. Uh, I want to do say. I do want to say um, mm -hmm. with uh, on the speech therapy thing. My wife is a speech therapist, so that's oh, uh, she is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's uh, she's been at it for my goodness 20, 20 years now. Yeah. Does she work with all ages, with primarily kids? Uh, kids, yeah. She works in a clinic uh, up the road in Little Rock and um, contracts out of that and sees primarily uh, kids um, on uh, Medicaid. And uh, so she uh -huh. works with them to, uh, you know, help help them get their, their language sorted out. What um, a great kid. That is such a, I mean, it's funny because, you know, when I was a kid, of course, you don't think about this, but years and years go by and I look back and I think, I wish I remembered who that was, because that person or people, I'm sure there were more than one, um, had such a significant role to play in my life. And I was so yeah. young, I don't remember. But, you know, they, well, were, here, they Yeah, were, exactly. That's, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Very cool. Yeah, no. Oh, so, you know, I, I, I can't really speak to my own speech therapist, but let your let your wife know that I, you know, I think. You're grateful to the, to the profession. Yeah. To the profession, to the speech yeah. therapist of the world, yes. Well, I think she's quite good at it. But that's, is it you know, a I'm speech a pathologist or speech therapist? What is the uh, term? So it's uh, she is a oh my goodness um, oh I can't remember. She and and you put little, family first. You said you yeah, put family so she first. Has, she has uh, a whole little thing that she she has a degree, but it's a master's degree. She's a speech language pathologist. So, uh huh. Did you guys meet uh, in college? Uh, well, she was in college. I was out of college. <laughs> uh -huh. Why are you laughing? Are you like 40 uh, years older than she is? What are you? Uh, no, no. Uh, my, so I was, we, we were graduated a year apart, but we're only six months difference. She's six months younger. Uh, but it was enough to offset us in the school year. So I started college in 93 and, um, <clears throat> in and out off and on college was not a good fit for Dan in the beginning. Uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. But I was I was in theater. That's that's what I went to theater for mass oh. communication or a school for theater and mass comm. So uh, I was destined to never want to actually make any real money. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I took some theater time is off. the place to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I took some time off and went and ran a few movie theaters to get you know uh -huh. to get into the movie industry. Oh, cool. Um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun actually to to do that. I did that for a good a good bit. Um, and are you but, from Arkansas? Uh, I am, yeah. I've not actually lived anywhere else. I've been to a lot of places, but I've lived here in this area for all my life. Wow! And so yeah, wow. Uh, but I've lived all over the state. Were you ever tempted to live else live elsewhere? Uh, it was on the table, but then I met Trish, and we were here. So gotcha. You know, that could I pretty well have, settled do it. Do you have kids? Yeah, we have three boys um, right now. Actually, we're we're quarantining because uh, Trish and the two the two oldest boys had tested positive, and uh, so the boys are uh, on the tail end of a cold. So it's been mild symptoms. It's just been lingering. Then um, yeah. Trish, she didn't have any symptoms, and she had had one round of the vaccine. She's now had the uh -huh. second dose. Uh, and then my youngest son and myself had tested negative. So we're like either super immune or just out of the woods. So. Uh, but my um, job requires I quarantine for another week yet. So, what's your job? Uh, I am a technical expert for Apple retail. I, uh, I'm oh. the guy you see at the Genius Bar. <laughs> oh wow! Look at my phone. I have like a I have like a 1963 version. I, I keep... oh man, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, people, people keep... don't let those like... go, man. 
I don't. I just like people. It's like it, it's like upgrades all the time. It's like, but my phone works just fine. It works if fine. It, if it does what you need it to, that's what you need it to do. It does what it so. does what I need. It's cracked and and uh, battered, but by God, but it's yours. Yeah, it's a poor thing, it's but yours. it's been with yeah. you for all these years. How old are your kids? Uh, so uh, the oldest Noah is uh, sixteen and a half, and mm-hmm. his middle brother Drew just turned uh, fifteen December. And then the oh, youngest is uh, Ben. He's 10. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So Trish lives in a household with four males. She uh, And the cat and the dog are also boys. Neutered, <laughs> but still boys. Yeah. So oh, my she's, God. She's you can't, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you a female goldfish or a female. T- <laughs> we had some goldfish at one point. I don't know what they, I didn't sex them, but we had a good tank of goldfish for a while until I, I killed them on accident. <laughs> Holy cow. I had them for like two years too, man. I kept them alive and um, I, don't, I won't say they were trained, but you know, I could, um, I could tap on the glass and they would all come to the glass and, and then I yeah. could um, stick my finger in the water and they would come up and nibble on my finger even without any food. So I felt like I had them trained. They're just well, goldfish. Uh, you know, yeah. they're not trained. Until they can go out and make a decent living, they're not trained. I'm they're sorry. They're not trained. That's right. They're still none just of them are, none money, of them right? Paycheck, they? Yeah, <laughs> no, they exactly. didn't. They didn't. All they right. Didn't. All right. So That's how did you get, until how did they're bringing home bringing home the bacon? She is actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that was part um, of the story. Is like when I met her, she was in school to get her master's, and I was like, you know, I hear good things about speech pathology. <laughs> wow! Wow! So, yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was no fool, and everything else just worked out exceedingly good well. Good for you! I look forward to meeting her someday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'll wait till your kids grow up, so there'll be a little more elbow room around the house. So I that's well, yeah. It is. A, you know, love grows big in small houses, is what they say. So. <laughs> But it's ours. That's you know that's the good part about it. Wow! Congratulations! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, so, so how did you get to uh, get to acting? Did you do that in school? Well, as I say, besides the sixth I, grade, and that was a big part of it because uh, you know I I honestly I really dug that. It was fun, and my folks were very gracious. They saw that it was something I was excited by, and they were willing to feed that hunger. They set me up with acting classes. I was living in a suburban Connecticut town. So we were a bedroom community of Manhattan. So I started going into Manhattan to take classes with uh, a couple of acting teachers there. My parents were very opposed to my ever pursuing it professionally. So it's not like they wanted or let would let me or would ever have considered allowing me to become a child actor, a professional child actor. And in fact, they insisted that I go to college when I wanted to go to drama school. And uh, since I didn't have a penny to my name at 18, I, I bent to their will and I went to a liberal arts college in Southern uh, Vermont, a school that had a lot of girls and didn't have grades, which were the criteria <laughs> that were important to me. <laughs> my parents were like, how come you're only applying to girls schools? It's like, one, I need all the help I can get. And two, it, it's to fuck you up. Cause it's like, <laughs> I want to show you how little I care about having a college <laughs> education. I applied to Vassar and Smith and Bennington. So I get into Bennington and I did not factor in lesbianism, unfortunately. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. There, there are a lot of girls, but half of them are my, aren't on your side of the fence. Though, yeah, right? not exactly. In fact, I turned a few into lesbians in college. <laughs> Robin Gustafson, if you're listening to this, she was straight on Friday night when I slept with her and she was gay on Monday the next time I saw her. It was like, oh, John, what have you done? That is a humbling, humbling experience. Um, and Bennington had a uh, had a good drama department for a liberal arts college, a small school, but some 
really good teachers taught there, including a guy named Nicholas Martin, who went on to become a, uh, a very well-known theater director in, uh, in America. And, uh, and you know, that was, it was pretty much, you know, all I ever really wanted to do. The only other thing that I considered doing was, was being a writer. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I always loved to read. I always wanted to, uh, I always wanted to either be a writer or a librarian or an actor. I loved libraries. I used to cut school to go to libraries. Like I call my mom and say, I didn't feel like going to school. I'm at the library. Oh, that's amazing. Not like what most kids cut school is like they go to the beach or, you know, it's like I'd go to the library. And my mother would come nominally to pick me up and then she'd hang out in the library with me all day. And we just wanted to do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I grew up in a house full of books and, uh, and I, 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 I had the good fortune and the misfortune to study with some really, really good writing teachers at Bennington College. But at that age, um, studying with Bernard Malamud, who I don't know if you've heard of him, but that he is sounds familiar. He wrote The Natural, the movie The okay. Natural, yeah, okay. which is a horrible movie for what the book was attempting to achieve. It actually took the opposite viewpoint of the book, a very dark book. But Malamud was one of America's great post-war writers and I studied with him and I was 19 years old and it's like studying acting with Olivier if I had studied with the greatest acting teacher in the world at that age I probably would have owned a delicatessen by now <laughs> so studying with a great writer made me go all right I'm not a writer I'll I'm, go not a writer, right? I'm not a writer right oh and that's uh you you touched on some interesting things there John um uh your love of libraries and your skipping school so in high school, uh, 92, 93 was my senior year. Uh, and if you were, if you had completed your requirements uh, by the time you were in your senior year, you could leave the seventh hour. You could go home on seventh period. Um, you had six hours and you could leave. Uh, but my best friend had to ride the bus even as we were seniors because his car was never always working. And um, so uh, since he had to wait for the bus uh, and didn't get to leave, uh, we volunteered in the high school library. Um, and oh, what a good we friend were, you Yeah, well, and, you know, the library too, man. Uh, so we made good friends with the librarian and we um, were there to uh, usher in the first computer catalog system uh, along with the encyclopedia on CD-ROM. Oh. Oh, now, I got to say, I'm I'm old, so I miss the old card catalog, you know? Oh, the, yeah. They don't I, keep I loved, up to date most days anymore. I loved all the old bullshit. I liked it when they stamped the books and, yep. you know... Well, and that know. started a that started that was the that was the ember of a journey to come, uh, and so the theater, uh, the drama department at the University of Central Arkansas, uh, and you mentioned you know you had your instructor who was as key in everything. I have Dr. Greg Blakey, uh, who was there when I came in, um, and was there through all the many years that I was in and out of school, um, but always my uh, my guide, and he offered me a work study that was to set up a computer lab for uh, computer-aided drafting for set design. And mm. that, uh, that was an Apple Macintosh lab. And so that has indirectly led to where I am today, but it passed through a stint at the library as the network administrator for a good run, uh, specifically because that work, that work uh, uh, experience was on the Mac. Uh, so 
it all kind of flows together, man. Yes, I, I have to say, you know, for me, it was like I wanted to be a librarian in the way that you're a librarian in the movie, where it kind of like, you know, squeaky cart full of books and you're sitting there reading and you tell people about the good books. When I found out it was called library science for a reason, it was like, well, what do <laughs> you have to do? It's a lot. It's a lot. It was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. No, nope. so, when you get a when you get a master's, I in have a library science, in my house. That's, you do. Pardon? I see. It's it's wonderful to see so many books, uh, so well, well organized. I'm sure you know where everything. Oh, is. Oh, totally. No, no, no. There, they, yeah. there's, there's, this is, this is one room of the house, and then, and then, there's just books everywhere. There's books everywhere, and it's That's total amazing. fucking chaos. It's total <laughs> chaos. Fun. I try to organize. I try to organize it periodically, but then I give up in despair. I have a rough a, sense. It's pointless at that it's rough sense of where some things are. Well, that's all you need is a, I think it's in that stack. And then you go look for it. And if you're like me with my childhood set of encyclopedias, you go looking for a specific thing, but you end up rifling through all of the things before that thing. Uh, and yes. not wasting your time. Or what's, what's, even, what's even worse is like, I think I know where that book is. It's like behind six other stacks of books. I'll just go buy it again. <laughs> And what what you, then you know you have a copy to give to a friend. I, I've so. definitely got, I know there are some books where it's like, I probably have four copies of that. That Something. would be probably the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for me if I had to nail it down. I've had multiple copies of that book for sure. And uh, as maybe as many copies of that as I have had of Pearl Jam's album 10. Uh, just well, maybe I should say, have you ever heard, have you ever have, I have the, uh, the complete radio scripts for the radio program of the Hitchhiker's uh, Guide? I haven't heard them. Uh, I know they exist, but yeah. I appreciate every iteration of, of that because Douglas Adams once said, and this has helped me embrace fandom in general overall, uh, but he once said that, you know, he loves every part of Hitchhikers um, that's ever been made because each one, it doesn't have to be consistent with each other because it's not the same story. Each story is told differently because the book is not the movie, is not the TV show, is not the radio drama, uh, because they're inherently and intrinsically different media. Uh, that means the story can be different and it's fine. They all exist. Um, and I was like, well, that's just, that's too easy, man. <laughs> well, yes, once you accept it's a fiction, it's like, well, it's a fiction. So, a you, fiction, know, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like Sherlock Holmes. I mean, the gajillion iterations of Sherlock Holmes. It's like, as a, as a reader, I will say the only thing for me is that I, I think some of the, it's like, there have been a lot of people who've kind of riffed off uh, uh, Twain's Huckleberry Finn. And of course, when you try and riff off the great writers, it's like, this is why Mark Twain was Mark Twain. Exactly. Um, you know, not everybody gets to be that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Conan Doyle had a had a had a special. There was something special about the Sherlock Holmes stories. That's hard. Well, and count. that's uh, so. In those, you know, those exist to themselves as the original. You know, the original point. But some of those movies, uh, like I enjoyed the Robert Downey Jr. movies, just because they were fun. Um, you know, yes, yeah, so, it, yeah, it's absurd, but yeah. it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I, my favorite of the Sherlock Holmes movies. Have you ever seen the Seven Percent Solution? I don't believe I have. Oh, check that out. Check out I the Seven Percent Solution, and then there's another one with oh, I'm I'm gonna have it was made in the '70s, and I want to say Peter Cook was in it, and a guy named Robert Bakley. I think I've got that name right. Maybe it's Blakely, but that was also a a, a marvelous sort of uh, uh, not exactly a spoof. But it was a an unconventional take on Sherlock Holmes. Very cool. Um, 
Well, yeah. I, you know, I, anytime you want to tell a story differently, I'm ready for that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't fret reboots. I get tired of them because like, okay, we've done this over again. Uh, but as far as, you know, am I going to be upset that you're trying to do this thing it, that I it, love? It, it, in depends. A new way? it depends. It depends. It's like, I don't need to see another, I don't need to see somebody else's version of Casablanca. Nope, no, 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 you're, yeah, no, not, yeah, you have absolutely, you don't remake The Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, yeah, there's, (laughs) there are certain things, it's like, that is a fucking work of art, you know, just leave it, walk away, you're not, you're only gonna fucking spoil it. Yeah, and, you know, know, and to that, too, uh, that's a film worthy of conservation, not restoration. Uh, Films like that don't need to be cleaned up too much when they're digitized, they need to be preserved digitally but to true to the true to the format true to the media you know you can yeah. over you can over bake these things these days uh, yeah. and go crazy and like you said uh while maybe limited by the materials at the time that movie was made the way it was made for a reason uh those people were craftsfolk and they didn't yeah. do it on accident yeah and, and i'm sorry but there's no i mean you know there's certain things it's like casablanca i mean there's no no one should ever try and do bogart Sacrosaint, man. The sacrosaint. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't redo that. Um, yeah. But, but I know, regret, our modern... like Spider, Spider-Man. It's like, you know, I, I mean, you know, I personally don't care, but if they want to make like a gajillion versions of Spider-Man, it's like, I, I don't think Spider-Man is, you know, like, no, you <laughs> fucked with the original Spider-Man. That's what Spider-Man is for. That's what comic book <laughs> movies are for. That's what yeah. Star Trek and Stargate and yeah. all of these science uh, fiction uh, franchises are for. Uh, although I will say one of the things that's hard for me is as a kid, you know, having been a comic book collector, and so, uh, you know, you go through, and I, I'm 60, so I grew up in the, in the 70s, and uh, 60s and 70s. And so for me, they would, they would shift the, the tone and the tenor and the artwork and the writing a bit uh, for Batman or Superman or the Marvels. But they wouldn't like suddenly like completely throw the fucking storyline out and then start it all over again. <laughs> so these, these days, days, it's like, I have no fucking idea. It's like Batman. I don't know. Like, you know. Which Batman? Uh, DC like reboots about? every. They reboot their books. Yeah, yeah it's like they killed Superman like nine times and Lois Lane. Loses the weight. Yeah, I, I. <laughs> so that that's. I'm not sure I could be a comic book fan anymore if I was a kid. I'd feel like, wait, what? And they're so damned expensive, man. Have you seen the cost of a comic? It's like four bucks. 12 cents. I remember when it went from yeah. 10 to 12 cents. It was like, 12 cents? What's then wrong it went with to, these guys? I know. Then it went to 15 cents. That's a little thick on the thick on the book there, you know. Yeah, which, um, we know, back in the day, for me, it was like 15 cents. Fuck. We used to, my, my parents were very gracious about this. They, they fed all of my addictions. Um, so I, uh, as a comic book collector, uh, they, they let me uh, kind of put advertisements in and kind of fish around to see if I could buy people's collections. Oh, yeah. And back then you could buy, you know, a collection for, you know, wasn't, wasn't that expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, you know, like a hundred bucks and you could buy, you know, I mean, I, and I sold my comic book collection at my parents' insistence, which, which to this day, it's like, fuck you. If I I have some of mine, I have, I have some of mine. But if I had held on to the whole thing, which I sold for around $5,000 in 1978. Oh, my goodness. I sus- well, of course, you, know, you never know what you could get uh, 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 
on, the, on the, you know, trying to sell a collection these days, but. Decent right, choice stuff in there. A lot more than $5,000. A lot more than five grand. That's that's like me and having been able, if I'd been able to invest in Apple stock in 1996, $10,000, it'd be a lot my, of different conversation. My parents, when we moved from, uh, from uh, Louisiana, Briefly, they had a, a you know an apartment in New York, and they, the opportunity to buy that apartment, like in, you know I don't remember where the fuck it was. I was a kid, but they said no, we don't want to live in New York, and so they, they let it go. And I think now it's like, yeah, <laughs> prime real estate <laughs> retirement. You could be retiring yeah. there. Yeah, they bought, yeah they bought a house in Connecticut in 1970. No, no, it was been 1971, I guess. Yeah, 1971 for seventy eight thousand dollars. It was like 4,000 square feet on oh three gosh. acres in the middle of a fucking forest. Dang. $78,000. That's which, a, kind of a nice getaway now, I bet, though. Uh, now, I'm sure it's been like, you know, it's probably a three and a half, four million, five million dollar, blah, blah, or blah. We're all blah, chopped blah. up. And we live in a forest. This woman owned this great swath of woods. She lived in New York and she had owned the property. Um, but not the house peculiarly. I never really understood that. But, you know, we were essentially surrounded by forests. It wasn't developed. So, you know, deer in our backyard and we got to wander around in the woods every time. And, and I later on heard that unfortunately when she died, of course, the property got sold and it all become, became a you know, standard suburban subdivision. A development, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was funny. I had a magical childhood. Playing in the woods? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just you know, I, 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 I always felt very blessed that I, you know, my parents loved me, and I got to kind of live in a in some really cool places and bop around the world, and for a period of time, yeah, I got to live in a forest. It was great. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was cool. That's uh, that's basically what I did growing up out at my uh, grandma and grandpa's house, my nanny and daddy's house. Uh, we uh, uh, played out in the woods, uh, ran around out there, you know. Uh, that's you just show up out there and you would go and you didn't come back uh, unless you were hurt or it was dark and uh it was just you know out there having a uh, just a good old time being rompy out in the woods i don't think um folks get enough of that these days no i know i don't either I, that's a, it's and i get it i mean it's a change and the world has changed but yeah you know it's growing up when i grew up it was like you know it's like what'd you do all day it's like when you'd come home from whatever the fuck you were doing as a kid, it'd be like, after that, I broke into the house and I climbed that tree and I fell off and oh, we did that. We, blah, blah, blah. It's oh, like my nobody, goodness. nobody cared, you know? You were just, it was. Yeah. Now we've got the uh, now we've got the video games and the VR headsets and helicopter and, parenting and you know. Uh, so we we avoid that. I don't got time for that. I don't got time to hover over my kids. Yeah. You know? well, I, I, you know, and I'm sure there are people who don't do it, but, but you know, I also, in fairness, I mean, I live in Los Angeles and, you know, it's really, it's a car culture. It's really, yeah. you know, it's just really hard to, for kids to, you know, their activities kind of require some, somebody's got to take them. Yeah. And that's been, you know, and that's another thing um, that seems a little different these days. Uh, you know, my oldest Noah, he's, he, he got his license, but he, you know, he hasn't really been, you know, hot to drive like i was man i couldn't wait to get uh out of the oh, house i couldn't wait just go do I something know. but what i mean everything they do is here in the house now you know you got netflix and disney plus and this and that and the other and they yeah. get their 
You know, what are they, uh, you know, everybody, everything is online. And I guess it's part of it's like, you know, maybe that's the new social normal. And that's, it's only weird because it's not us. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I know. I, but I, I don't know. I felt the same way. It was like, for one thing, I just was like, you know, like my parents just fine. But it's like at 16, it was like, I want to be with my friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and you're right. There was no, I guess you can now be with your pals. You can zoom with your pals. You can be online with your pals. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I am, you know, so it's not like it's unfamiliar territory for me. I mean, most of my, I wanted to chase girls at 16. That's what I wanted I did to do. Too. I didn't, I really I didn't did. catch any, but I wanted no. to chase them. And I, was I knew very you bad at the catch. I was very bad at the catch too, but I knew you couldn't chase them until you left the house. It's yeah. like, no, you had to leave the house. You had to leave the house. You had to have a car. And you would you do had to drive around stuff. and like, oh, it's totally. totally. Uh, so, you know, you talk about going and uh, breaking into the house or whatever. In um, the town I grew up in, uh, there was, at the time, it was an abandoned hospital. Um, it was the biggest building, well, one of the biggest buildings. That, that's in what I meant, by the way. I didn't mean breaking into, like, people's yeah, occupied you, no, you think Places you shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that was all, that was like. Yeah, stuff when you were growing up was like old man Jones's house hasn't been lived in for years. Let's totally haunted. You know? It's totally haunted, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah. But this was this meant the classic, uh, you know, complete horror story haunted building. It's up on a hill at the backside of town, overlooking everything. It's a hospital. People died there. It's been abandoned. Oh, yeah. You know, mental uh, institution. Oh yeah. yeah, everybody's crazy. The nuns went nuts or whatever. Uh, and um, so, as a band of you know Scooby Doo uh, teenagers, uh, we would go there uh, in the day. We'd go there in the evening. Um, one time we went there uh, in the middle of well, not the middle of the night, but late at night um, without any light because we knew our way. And this was completely and totally stupid, dangerous because to get to the roof you had to climb over. Um, an open, a broken elevator shaft, four stories to get to the ladder to the roof. And we did it like it was, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, because muscle memory, we told ourselves. Yeah. Well, we could have died, man. Well, it, you know, I know. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, if you if you make it through your childhood alive, it's like, you know, whoosh. Yeah. You know, no, it's a, that I, feeling of running a red light or a stop sign. <laughs> I think about that all the time. You know, there's this wonderful book by Bill Bryson uh, called A Short History of Nearly Everything. You heard of him? Mm-mm, he's, I had a, it. he's a wonderful writer. He'd really dig him. He wrote a wonderful book about uh, a, a, a guy who hikes the Appalachian Trail with his friend. They made kind of a shitty movie out of it with uh, Nick Nolte and Robert Redford. That but I the, probably heard but of. The, but the book is great. And he's a very funny writer. But he also wrote a book. Basically, his premise was like, I'm a scientific ignoramus and I want to learn about the sciences. And I'm going to write a book, the kind of book that I would like to read that is, you know, not too smart, not too smart and funny, but that gives me a grounding. Uh, great book. And the first sentence of the book is, congratulations, reader, it's a miracle you're here. When you think <laughs> of all the things that had to happen, all the peculiar little incidents that had to happen for bajillions of years to create you, you know, the fact that your father and mother had to like go, sprawling, yep. you know, yep. in and of itself. And the fact that you didn't fucking kill yourself somewhere along the way. It's a miracle. Pretty here. brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. you know, that's um, uh, one of the things I like to tell folks is like, you know, you have to, I believe, I think that you have to have um, a, a near existential crisis, real, realizing your own insignificance in the, in the larger existence. Right. Um, and part of that comes from the fact that everything you're made out of took 14 and a half billion years to get here. Um, 
and like you said, it's all this, I mean, happenstance back to, like Carl Sagan said, uh, if you want to make an apple pie, you got to start by creating the universe. Um, John Billingsley doesn't get here talking to Dan Decker uh, without all of those things. Uh, and well, both and my of father you was and gay, so yes. it's even more peculiar. You know, it's even more miraculous when I'm here. <laughs> See, I guess all the opposite odds even. Yeah, right? yeah. my father was a gay sailor. I, I think he only had sex twice, so it's really a miracle that my brother and I both, actually <laughs> both resulted in uh you know he was good at it apparently even if it wasn't his apparently, cup of tea. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh we had uh we had our first two kids uh 19 months apart we realized we we're real good at that so we put the hiatus on it um you know we were like well we don't have any trouble uh getting to that point if we want so yeah, i had uh, this i had the snip snip at a, at a very you know early. i've been i thought about that and at this point i'm just like yeah whatever <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, you know, clearly you like you like kids. I, I like I like other people's kids. I, yeah, I know because you give them away. It's their trouble. Yes, and um, it's like they remind me of how happy I am. I don't have my own. It's like you're, well, you know, and that's there are that's the reason I'm here to to populate the world uh, on your behalf. Thank <laughs> I you. I, I don't screw it up. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I'm. Yeah. I'll tell. I'll tell Bonnie that it's like, hey, I fed Dan had one of ours for us. So. Yeah, yeah. Whichever one you want. I mean, you know, Ben's probably the smartest the one. The smartest one. Like... The guy's got the most potential. Let's let us claim that one. I okay. You don't have to I'll, tell me which I'll one. I'll mark is. them today. Yeah. No. I'll oh, just, yeah. A yeah. child shows up in the mail. You're like, oh, this is our dad. No, I don't want the. No, I just want to know that you know. Oh, they're that, out here. So yeah, you're. I just, you I just know, want the credit. You've orphaned. You've orphaned a child in Arkansas. Yeah, I, no, I we I tried to get a snip snip when I was out of college, and the snip snip guy said, "I'm not going to give you a snip snip. You're too young." It was like, "Who are you to tell me that I don't want a snip snip?" He said, "You're going to change your mind." It's like, "Oh, I wish I could search you down." Like, and when, say, uh, by the way, no bet. By the no way, death, deathbed conversions for you. No, so I eventually got one. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know that's um, uh, re being responsible, knowing uh, knowing if you are parent material, uh, is a real lost yeah. art. <laughs> it, it, it is that and I candidly I also always really felt for uh, I always felt for women having to bear the you know the All of it onerous really responsibility yeah. yeah and and you know I mean it ain't from an IUD to a you know to being on the pill I mean the various methodologies that women have to employ for birth control are not you know not without their pernicious side effects and oh, no, condom yeah. disaster so so yeah, <laughs> there's there's one like a, mere fail-safe method, and it's it's on the yes, yes. On and the and I, I and for the sixty people who are watching who did not expect us to talk about vasectomies, I will say if there's one person out there who's thinking about it, it's simple, it's quick, it takes a tremendous load off your mind. And um, when I had my vasectomy, the guy said, "You want to watch?" It was like, <laughs> you no, know, I don't really want to watch, but I'm. Yeah. I'm I'm comforted that it's that easy. <laughs> that um, is that it's possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it, um, was it like, well, I don't know. Was it laparoscopic at that time or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and even, uh, even then, wow. Yeah. And it was, but it was, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it was really painless. I mean, you know, there's some soreness afterwards for a few days. It's like, you know, I had a friend do it. He was in his early twenties and uh, I was the one that took him to his appointments and, you know, he got to like, you know, sit on a bag of ice and take some pretty great meds. Yeah. Yeah. For a couple of days. <laughs> and if you have a girlfriend, you know, she's really grateful. So she like lavishes you with great attention. Yeah. And then, you know, when everything's healed up, 
very rock and roll. I, I, I know, I know. And it also, if you were bound and determined to not have children, it would mean that in your courting years afterwards, you could kind of get that paid like on the first date. It was like, by the way, by the way. I, I've had a vasectomy. So let's, let's just, you know, so let's not waste time. <laughs> There's any the part truth. of you. Uh, just, maybe not hey, the first. You know, it's a, it's um, it's definitely if that's going to be a deal breaker, just get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Yeah, well, let's not waste time because you know, because you're clearly a big eater, and I'm paying for this meal, and it's like I don't want to take it out twice. <laughs> well, you gotta have you gotta have some bar uh, to entry, <clears throat> and that's uh, you know that that's one of the things in in one of the D and D groups that I was playing uh, that I'm playing in. Um, we lost several characters. Uh, the players stayed, but the characters met you know, ill-fated ends. Uh, and so we, the three of us who have survived through the entire campaign at this point decided that there has to be an application process, right? You have to meet a threshold. Um, you know, tell me, tell me, tell me who you've killed. You know, what are your, what are your adventures? Are you going to be able to get into this party? And it's very much the same as being up front with that. At the beginning I, I, the, I always the beginning. used to ask my dates, tell me who you've killed. First yeah. off, before yeah. we go any further, I want to hear about your kills. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I've had, and I've had a second. Yeah, I mean, it's basic uh, court. It's a miracle I'm married. I know. Well, obviously, um, you wouldn't I, want I, to mess with your wife. if I married a it. murderous woman who didn't want children. I, exactly. I perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I, know. I know. They're yeah. hard to find. I tell you. <laughs> it is. These days like and ages. Swipe, swipe right. It's like, you know. No, no. Everybody's like, murder seems so. I know. You know no one wants to murder wall. anybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of women who want to breed and, and apparently don't like killing people. It's like, oh, Jesus. What the hell, man? So do you, do you ever do anything nerdier than, you know, act? To play I, I don't think acting. Games? I'm not sure. Act, I think acting is nerdy. I don't know what, I don't know what nerdy is exactly. Um, 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 uh, well, you know, you have theater nerds and those are the folks who go, you know, are in theater. I, I always yeah. thought, you know, nerdiness to me had less to do with what you did than whether or not in your behaviors you didn't yeah. demonstrate a sense of humor gotcha, gotcha. I, I always ah, kind of felt, you know to me yeah. what made a nerd a nerd was that classic kind of well i'm not entirely sure i understand why wouldn't one the you know? well actuallys of the world yeah 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 exactly it's like <laughs> exactly it's like you know uh so I, I I don't ever think about nerdiness having to do with you know what your interests are, mm -hmm. so much as just your, you know your affect. Um, well, besides so, uh, acting in books and the library, did you have? Uh, I like to travel. Uh, that's probably which is you know, as, as, I mean I I'm very very blessed in my life. I I have nothing absolutely nothing to complain about. So, uh, you know this COVID shit as awful as it is, there's so many people who have it so much worse people whose livelihoods are you know potentially gone i mean restaurateurs people in the arts i don't know you know they've got to wonder like does my does my line of work return and when yeah i'm very blessed i uh we'll just play through that phone the phone yeah, is ringing absolutely. Let, it let it be known pay no attention to the phone <laughs> um that's the bat phone and i'm not even fucking answering it that's how little i care about what's happening in gotham city it's like <laughs> it's the commission you're like screw yeah. that yeah, yeah, I know. What? Don't you have a police force? It's like, what do we pay these people for? Don't Gotham Cityans, uh, don't they, citizens, pay taxes? I know, Jesus. Um, so, but it is, it is, it is. Of all the things that I miss, I, I miss socializing, and I really miss traveling. 
you know, we, Bonnie and I had a, had a really nice long career. We, we didn't have kids, so we saved our dough and, and I, I you know, <laughs> we had a really fun couple of years planned for, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, we're going to go here, we're going to go there. Yeah, I don't know. What you got to spend time with each other, just not in you know, other places. And and, and, uh, and all joking aside, the other thing that I've also always been involved in is uh, is uh, volunteering for various social service organizations or, or volunteering for political causes. So I do a lot of volunteer work. I still do that. I'm the uh, president of the board of directors of an organization called the Hollywood Food Coalition, which essentially attempts to rescue and share food all over the city of los angeles with i have various... heard of that like yeah the it's, it's leftovers a... from restaurants and things like that and uh that... well yeah i mean it started actually 34 years ago as essentially a um a, a means to provide hot multi-course meals to people who are experiencing homelessness and for many many years we had a nightly and we still have a nightly what we call a nightly meal engagement program or a community dinner program um, when my wife and I got involved four years or so ago, and we started trying to kind of encourage the organization to rescue more food and eventually to share more food, we, we kind of grew out its mission. I say we as if we did it ourselves. We didn't. It was a, you know, a wonderful group of people that collaborated, right. have collaborated on growing its mission out. So now, in addition to continuing to serve a hot meal every night of the week, seven nights a week, we also share food that we rescue from all sorts of places, grocery stores, restaurants, people do canned food drives. We rescued a lot from TV shows and movies, um, private parties, any number of social programs that exist to create prepackaged meals that we participate in, farm to table boxes that you usually think of as going to food pantries. We rescue some of that. And we share that food with all sorts of different groups based on their needs. So some groups like, um, for instance, there are a lot of organizations we work with that work with kids on the street. They had a kitchen, but they didn't have anybody to cook and they didn't really have any food. So we helped to make sure that they had a cook. And once they got a cook, we said, we're gonna get you what you need to make a nice lunch for these kids every day. So they're wow. able to actually make a nice lunch. Because of that, kids who are expected to come to a program, take classes, you know, la 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 try and improve their lives but we're probably naturally enough going all well and good but you don't feed me yeah now they get a good yeah. meal yeah and our premises start with the meal you know good meal and then build on that well and so, you can't learn if you're hungry you know exactly. whatever time of day it is or whatever the subject is yeah i know i always tell people it's like imagine whatever it is you're doing that you're doing it not having eaten for 14 hours yeah. think about your level of concentration it's uh it's not easy for us you know you we we are able uh as well-fed individuals to recognize that sometimes why we're mad is because we're hungry uh you yeah. know and 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 that is a in the moment oh i'll just go grab a banana real quick you know yeah and, and, <laughs> and one in one in four i mean it was one in five and now because of you know this this global crisis one in four american kids and the numbers are really staggering internationally one in four American kids is food insecure, meaning yeah. that when they wake up, it's not that they're necessarily going to go hungry, but they don't know where they're going to eat, when they're going to eat, what they're going to eat. Will it be enough? Is it going to be nutritious? Is it going to be junk? Think um, about that, though. Richest country in the world. John, 25% of our children, which, you know, that's easily, what, a 75 million people? Yeah, and, uh, and think about these kids who are expected to go to school. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I mean, the, the, the my anger... 
and we're not touching on political stuff, but but that's um, okay. <laughs> we I, align. I, don't worry. Okay. I mean, my my rage at how what we have what we have basically chosen to value as a culture and what we have chosen to turn our back on is uh knows no bounds so i i do i do put a fair fair amount of time and 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 my energy into, into that stuff and i appreciate that because um there are those of us who you know will when we can um and do what we can i you know i support a lot of uh, charities that I believe in uh, financially because I can't be there actively. Um, and so for you to do that work for those folks uh, to, you know, to, to, to boost that out there um, is very important uh, because it's, it's good to know that good is going on uh, when, you know, it's yeah. just, you got to have that hope. It's nice. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do believe that most, you know, most human beings, I mean, the thing that gives people the most, um, I think, candidly the most joy is the sense that they are they are um they have a, a significant role to play in, in their society that they feel like they make a difference i think people want a need to make a difference to feel like they make a difference and i think there are lots of ways for people to make a difference on on whatever whatever time frame in which they are working in terms of number of hours they might have available i'm very very blessed because at my age and and not you know ha and having a, a, a I still have a career, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the main thing in my life. Um, I have a lot of time. Yeah. And so it's, it was important to me to kind of use that time uh, to, to do more. So, so I, as someone, um, I, I can't take credit for this and I can't remember who I learned it from. Uh, but it's that, um, you know, time can never, uh, can't be, uh, it can't be saved. Um, and it can't be wasted. It can only be spent. And so value how you spend it. Invested. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Invest your time uh, wisely. No, I know. Well, I, yeah. It's a journey, too, to kind of, yeah. you know, especially in a capitalist society, to kind of factor what is your time worth, especially in these conversations around, um, you know, what should be a morally minimum wage for someone to be yeah. able to live on in this country. Yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, placing a value on an hour of your life Give, find a way to give that some weight. Find a way to know what that is worth to you. Um, I always because... thought that, that it's a wonderful life, you know, to me, for all that maybe people call it, you know, Capricorn, Frank Capra, the director. And, and yeah. I, to me, <laughs> while some of his movies might be a little on the corny side, I, I, I cannot watch It's a Wonderful Life without crying like a fucking baby every single yeah. time. Yeah, it's be so great. Because... Of, of yeah i mean it has so many to me deeply profound things to say about how you you have to find your own clarence the angel that lives inside of you that's able to speak to you the tell to tell you that just because you don't see the good you do doesn't mean you ain't doing good you know it's like what you just said your, your wife the speech pathologist i don't know the name of the woman who was my speech pathologist but because that woman when i was in the fifth and sixth grade worked with me to correct my lisp and my other issues it helped give me the confidence to believe that i could act and whether or not my acting career has you know that much meaning so many things flowed from those actions that have have touched a lot of people mm -hmm. and that woman wouldn't know that you know your wife touches people in ways that profoundly transform thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of lives and i i just find that to be the thing 
it's why I think Trump is so pernicious. It's why I think the people that are 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 behaving in the way they're behaving right now, by refusing to recognize the evil that he represents, as if tax cuts mitigates against cruelty, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. Cruelty <laughs> spreads cruelty, and and thousands and thousands and millions and millions of people are deleteriously and negatively affected by his brutality. And mm -hmm. by his crudity and by his racism, and I don't give a flying fuck how much more money you're saving. Nope. You know? I I, uh, I mentioned to Trish the other day. I uh, you know I was a I was like imagine this cult of personality put to good, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's I don't know if I don't know if a cult of personality works for good though, you know. I, theoretically, Jesus. I mean, yeah, I'm not right? I'm not I'm not a believer. <laughs> Right. But you know, that's the <laughs> thing that I think about. It's like, you can't call yourself Christians. You can't. Because the whole fucking point of Christ is supposed to be benevolence. It's yeah. supposed to be kindness. You don't get to put behavior aside and look at ends as if they're separate from the way the ends are achieved. That is not Christian. Nope. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very distorted, uh, the messaging. And Holy fuck. You know, it is. It is. And that's unfortunate because, uh, like I said, imagine that cult of personality put to, to the good. Um, and that counters with, you know, knowing that folks like yourself are doing good with what they can and what they have um, matters all the more. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I, we can yeah. only chip away at it. No, I know. <laughs> you and I don't have that power. No, no, we can't. But, 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 you know, that is the other thing that I loved about it. It's a Wonderful Life is that you recognize that, you know, one, one person's, the nature of how one person can change a world is so much greater than we perceive because we, we don't, you know, we are incapable as an individual of seeing ripples. We don't, the ripple effect is so much vaster. Right. You know? uh, that was a lesson, and some listeners, uh, if you've heard this before, uh, well, too bad you hear it again, uh, but that was a lesson uh, taught by, um, the grandmaster of one of the martial arts I studied um, mm. was that, you know, even if you're the only, as the instructor, even if you're the only person in the dojo, um, you hold class. You are doing your material, teaching yourself, refreshing yourself, uh, because if a new student walks by and they see an empty school, they won't come in. But if a new student mm. walks by and sees an active school and they come in and they, they learn from you, and then that student maybe becomes the next grandmaster or a grandmaster. Then imagine the lives that you touched from that, like you said, ripple effect. Yeah. Um, it just branches out from there. And every little thing, you know, um, I've been reached. Uh, a lot of folks have reached out to me. Uh, and like I say, you know, I joke about uh, the the size of this audience. So, you know, 30, 40, 60 people, depending on. Uh, yeah, well, 30, 40, you said 60, 60. Yeah, 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 you know, hey, you know, just being it's honest. But it it's fluctuates. Uh, but the folks who've reached out to me and said that, you know, oh, it's the, it's, I listen to it every, I listen to every episode. Uh, you're who I go running with. Um, you know, the fact that you're open about this or, you know, you and so whoever talked about these things um, and they reach out and say, you know, hey, that voice matters. Your voice mattered to me. Uh, and that's, that's all it takes, you know, just one person yeah, who, uh, who isn't sad because they heard you and I talk later. That's fine with me, you know. Um, 
I hope it's fine with you. If anybody calls as well, you know, you really, Billingsley really bummed me out. I was like, you know, I was having a good day, and then I heard him, and, and like, then I heard John Billingsley, oh, son of a bitch. You I, know? I, I had a, uh, I had a, yeah, because I always say yes to podcasts. I'm always happy to gab, and there's a lovely gal. We had a long conversation, long, long conversation. Oh, Brooke. Brooke, yeah. yeah. And I was oh, like, I know you Brooke. know, she got me off on dystopia. So it was like, I was like, oh, you know, man. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh. I was like, me and Brooke have been, uh, we've been in contact for some time. She, uh, she calls me space dad. So space uh, dad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she hits me up from time to time. One of those folks who reaches out and says, you know, what your advice matters to me, the way you see things matters to me. And would you help me with this problem? Uh, huh. She's one of them. And, uh, and yeah, no, she's a lot of fun. <laughs> she has a lot of fun. But I'm, I'm fairly convinced that a number of people, if they listen to that whole podcast, uh, probably threw themselves off, off bridges in their respective towns. And it's like, <laughs> I, 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 was in, I was in a particularly like, the world is fucked. It, and, you know, it's not not yet, but we're working on it. Um, I used to throw this hashtag out on Twitter called dystopian hellscape bingo. <laughs> Yeah, I know, man. It's like I just just the knife's edge we're walking on right now. It's just fucking amazing, terrifying. Just over the horizon, though. Everything is just over the horizon. Speaking I know. of travel, one uh, way or the other, I'm not sure what what's what's over that horizon. I I eek. I hope well, it's you know you were uh, you you like to travel. I haven't traveled. I was gonna travel this year. Uh, we were gonna go to London and Paris uh, uh, in the spring, uh, but maybe not. Uh, we're probably going to go next year in the 2022. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you on that. From your mouth to God's ears, I hope. Yeah, let's hope, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, last year we got, uh, we just missed our, we missed, um, we were going to go see Hamilton in St. Louis. And um, we were going to go to the parade in New York in, in the fall, uh, yeah. obviously. None of that happened. Uh, but, you know, um, where we're at right now, folks, if you're listening to this, we're still on the edge of getting the vaccine rolled out. Uh, it won't be but a few weeks, so I don't imagine everything's going to be sunshine and roses by the time everyone hears this. But John's no longer talking about the dystopian hellscape. Uh, only because only because you're not leading me down that path, but I could easily go down <laughs> the, the path. Dark path. Dystopian hellscape. The dark path. I, I still there. see a Republican Party that is unwilling to recognize climate change is real and needs to be grappled with. Or just reality in general, if we're being honest. Just reality in general. Yes, I know. I, I, so, I, no, there's still... Yeah, we won't. We I just did two hours on dystopia. So for those people who are like, yeah, it's like I'll stare them dystopia. There's plenty. Today. There's plenty of that. So, but I mean, you mentioned that you still you still get work. Are you actively working on anything right now? Not really. I mean, uh, it's a combination of not having uh, as much ambition as I did when I was younger because I don't need the dough. It's in part because Hollywood is ageist. There just isn't as much work as you get older. Some of it is also, I always liked to go into the room to audition. I'd like to meet the producers and audition with the material because whether they thought I was right or not, they're going to have to watch the whole audition. That's Nowadays, right. everything is on tape. And when you put yourself on tape, frankly, you don't really know whether the person who was watching the audition is actually watching it. It's very possible that they start it and they go, he's not what I'm looking for, and they click it off. So I, I confess that for me, uh, not putting myself on tape, which is pretty much what audition is going to be, maybe forever. I don't know if they're ever going right. to go back into auditioning in the room. Really, I don't like it. I mean, I'll do it, but I just don't get that enthused about it. 
Um, well, and I think too, like some of the feedback that you get as an actor in that scenario is watching them react to your audition. Yeah, um, you and know, they can, can get you that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. they can give you a note. You know, which is to me, it's like a lot of what I always felt like I, my my strong suit was. If they said, um, "Yeah, do this," I could take the note right away. Um, a lot of actors aren't facile that way. They can do a great audition, but if you said, uh-huh, I want you to do it with this adjustment, they can't take the adjustment. You can't, adjustments fly out the window when you're putting yourself on tape. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I have no, I, I will only say that, that I've, I had a, a, a fair amount of success as an actor for many years going into the room. I have not tended to have as much success putting myself on tape. I think my auditions are still good, but I just don't think it is, um, you know, I, I will book as at high a percentage. Mm -hmm. And so that coupled with the other factors leads me to care less. Sure. Yeah. And, and acting like so many other things, it's a squeaky wheel business. If you want to work, you kind of got to knock, knock, knock on a lot of doors all the time. When I was younger and I cared and I wanted to make the dough, I, 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 was, I was a good squeaky wheel. I nagged my agents. I went to the fucking parties. I, you know, kept track of what was around in town. I cultivated the casting directors and sent out postcards. I tap danced. I don't do any of that. So I work every now and again, but I, I and also COVID, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't, we did, that, my wife and I did a show. The, yeah. Yeah. We did a pilot for a show that, you know, maybe it'll get picked up in, uh, in the fall in Colorado, lovely people, but being on a set in the COVID world is pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you have to be, I mean, part of what makes acting fun and what makes the business fun is the sociability of it. You know, right. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big crowd of people who, who you like to hang out with, you know, you hang out around the crafty table, you hang out in the chairs and you yammer at each other and blah, blah, blah. Going to work as an actor where you have to be in a pod and, you know, put a bubble over your fucking head and you can't talk to anybody. And it's like, ah, you've kind of sucked half the fun out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and too, I, I'd say, man. Um, I definitely don't think that it's it's the video aspect of your interaction that you know like doing a doing a uh, audition to tape. Um, I, I can tell that it's your charisma. You you need you you bounce really well off of other people, and I think that's a lot of probably where your strength comes from. You know, you well, play well with it, others. <laughs> it, it, it also, I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing: I had a casting director say this once. She said, "Look, the thing is, if if I give people, if I give ten actors all the time in the world, and they have multiple takes, you know, it's like I'm going to put myself in tape. I don't like that one. I put myself in tape. I don't like that one. And they can perfect it. And I get these ten tapes to look at. I can't really tell who is capable of showing up on a set and doing it like that." Mm -hmm. And my gag was always, I, I feel really good about walking into an audition, knowing my material and doing it. And if I get a note, I'll do that. I, I, that weeded out certain people. People would come in, they, they you know, they get flustered or they <clears throat> wouldn't have quite, you know, they don't really know the material or they don't take a note. 
it, it, it's really hard when you're competing with people who are, you know, have been in the career for a while and everybody gets to put themselves on tape because we've all collectively raised the bar, you know, together to a certain level where it's, it's harder to stand out. And then what if you, um, you know, when you show up for the job and you're not what was on the tape or you can't meet that, you know, whose time's all been wasted? Everybody's time's all been wasted. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I have not, I've not had that experience. I, I mean, I get cast every now and again from tape, but but it, it just isn't, um, I think the other thing candidly is, you know, my, my, my wife and I won. I, I love to travel, but I don't want to be separated from my wife for great periods of time. So it's like, I, I don't want to get a movie that. in Bulgaria, you know? Yeah. I don't, right. I don't want to get a series that's going to shoot in Richmond, Virginia. It, so there's certain things I'm just going to turn down. So between Which that, all the, in LA now, right? Yeah. So all these factors that come together, it just means that there's that much less available. And I never got to a high enough uh, plateau uh, in the business, a high enough rung on the ladder where I just get offered work regularly. Which, which you know, some people get to the point where it's like. There's enough work simply because people say, you know, here's a gig, here's a gig, here's a gig. I get I get offers every now and again, but not not consistent. Now, do you like doing the? Do you like doing conventions? I do, I do. I like I like doing conventions um, because uh, <laughs> because it's low vaudeville for me. Um, yeah. I always want I always wanted to be a vaudevillian. I always wanted to have like baggy pants and a seltzer bottle. So it's like. <laughs> To have 55 minutes on stage where people are already inclined to like you and <laughs> they are inclined to give you a lot of permission to misbehave, um, yeah. I find that I find that uh, delightful. <laughs> and I bring my wife. And, yeah, and, yeah, she and, can come too. She can come, and she was on a show called Chuck, so yeah, she's got a show. little bit of she's a little, got a little bit of you know name recognition in her own right. Can throw a little so sci-fi clout too. Yeah, a little sci-fi cloud, yeah, and she, yeah. she she started by heckling me from the back of the uh, back of the audience, and then oh, I good. brought her up. Yeah. On, yeah, brought her up on stage, and then uh, and we haven't you know done done one in a couple of years now because of COVID. But um, up until up until we stopped, we were like you know we chase each other around. We uh, she would never let me bring out cream pies. That's always been my like <laughs> one cream pie. Which, but no. which lucky audience member? <laughs> no cream pies there's always room for um you know the post-covid uh cream pie return to vaudeville uh you know maybe you could do talk her into some sort of spectacular we're uh, going on a cruise we're going on a, i've never been on one of these star trek cruises so we're going, are you going to do our, the cruise and do the cruise and uh we were supposed to do it this uh, in 2020 yeah and of course it got canceled and uh they debated uh, putting it into 2021 and and, and smartly decided you know 2022 yeah so fingers crossed i looked at that i should probably go get a ticket before they're out i have to talk to my wife I first though. i think they may be sold out but yeah probably i'm probably too late but i don't know you know i'm sure people fall out all the time and, I, and, and you know get on the I, waiting I mean, list again i still am not entirely we'll see but yeah it's it's still dicey for 2021 yeah i mean out. so far like five as of today and in part, I, I kind of pay a lot of attention to this because we, my wife and I are actually kind of, you know, quasi frontline workers because. Yeah, we're exactly. So, um, so I, I kind of have to be invested in this. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my, my shots and I fit into the first tier category, but I can't fucking get my shots yeah. because, you know, there's just not enough doses for the need. 
only 5.8% of the American population has, has had their first shot. Wow. And, and you know, um, 9.8% of the tier one. But when you think about like, you know, when you factor in one, you're going to have to get everybody inoculated twice. Yep. And there are new strains. Yep. And we don't know whether the vaccines are going to work with these new strains. And a good chunk of the population has decided for political reasons that they don't want to participate in either inoculations or in, in good behaviors. Yeah. It, it, it is, I confess, it is a little hard for me to be optimistic that we are going to turn a corner this year. It, yeah, no, and that's, um, you know, uh, when my last year when we were sent home in March until um, Apple figured out how we were going to approach this. Uh, and fortunately, you know, they they did all the right things uh, regards to uh, their employees. But my manager, uh, she asked and she said, oh, you know, do you think we'll be done with this uh, in August? And I was like, oh, no, we're going to that's no, we're not going to be done with this in August. And then, you know, yeah. it was even worse than that. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, we, you know, all we can do is our part. Um, I mask up, I'm getting the vaccine as soon as I'm eligible. Uh, my wife has already gotten both doses. Thank goodness. Um, oh, good. and, uh, you know, and with myself and, and Ben, who knows, maybe, maybe it's not something we're, you know, we're susceptible to, uh, or we've just been lucky with a mild case in our immune now, who knows? Uh, but you know, it is, it's just like any, anything positive you can do in your life. It's the three feet, the six feet around you is where you have the influence. And hopefully there are people in that bubble that you can help, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I, 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 I really hope that, um, but I, I don't really believe it, but I hope yeah. that the, um, Biden administration and the nature of, of the, of the messaging and the seriousness of purpose and the attention to detail and the nature of a federal federally led effort that actually tries to make sure that the states have a partner to figure out how to get the distribution working more effectively i hope that'll turn a corner but i my concern is is that the political well has been poisoned to such an extent that simply because it's coming from biden or it's coming from the democratic party you know you're telling me to say a b you know, yeah. you're telling me to spit. Exactly. I'm going to hop, whatever. Yep. I, I, just to be uh, just to be obstinate, you know, well, uh, just because everything is political now. I mean, it, it's like, you know, it, <laughs> it is sadly so much. It's just. Yeah. And uh, and it's not it's you know, it's the nuance is lost. And that's that's regrettable, honestly. Um, it's, it's, it's so self-destructive. I mean, the idea that you could separate out, like, you know, if we don't mask and if we don't take the rules seriously, and if we simply, you know, you know, pretend that this will go away if we behave as we used to do, we'll get the economy back. It's like, we could have actually, you know, I mean, what we could have, uh, saved so you much. Think it work that way. We could have saved so much if we had taken it all more seriously <sighs> on the front end. We would be in a much better place, a much different yeah. place. Uh, but we know, we know, we know the road ahead and we can fight that too. We can do that. Um, so well, I, I, I think theoretically we can, but that's my problem is I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I'm just afraid that our, our societal, our, our societal breakdown, our, our great mental breakdown as a country that preceded COVID mm -hmm. has made it difficult for us to, to save our own asses. 
You're not entirely wrong, unfortunately, I think. And and the reason I say that is that I watched a documentary called uh, The Brainwashing of My Dad or something to that effect. Um, and uh, it's about how, um, you know, how insidious uh, the right wing media uh, infected um, thinking and how it all built up to where we got to. Uh, and it's it's frightening because it is a a matter of of germany was considered to be one of the most intellectually sophisticated countries in the world right in prior to the second world war and and arguably prior to the first world war i mean you know people are extremely susceptible to it's a one of my my big big bugaboos my pet peeves is that I've always objected to the concept that, you know, Americans sometimes have of themselves as somehow special. No, uh, you know, really. I mean, people are people. Are people. I, I don't think America is, is particularly worse than other countries. I mean, you know, nativism, fascism, stupidity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They are rampant all over the world. You know, go to Turkey. It's a fucking mess. Poland is a mess. Hungary is a mess. India is a mess. China is a mess. Russia is a mess. Yada, 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 yada. I, I, I just don't, you know, I think if, if what, if, if this has done anything, I hope it has taken our American kind of like, look at me, my shit don't stink and knock us off that fucking pedestal. The know? smart ones of us, I, you know, but we weren't thinking that anyway. I have been a, I've, I belong to disillusioned of American exceptionalism. We have exceptional people here that do exceptional things but as a group we've failed miserably re- of recent yeah. uh, to and, be and there, are, there are exceptional people everywhere i mean you know yep. I, I think america was 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 incredibly i mean our what we had the luxury of getting to do because of the peculiarities of our geography you know to me we had certain freedoms to explore and experiment politically and geographically that gave us countries didn't get a chance to do that didn't mean we were better people it just meant that we had a a different playing field yeah exactly that that Um, playing field ain't there anymore (laughs) it's not at all it's not at all uh but john uh tell me where can the folks reach out and help the projects you're interested in or the projects you support yes um you can follow me at jbillingsley60 on twitter and if you wanted to go check out Hollywood Food Coalition, the easiest way to do it would be to go to hofoco.org, hofoco.org. Nice. That's our website. If you happen to live in the Los Angeles area, the 60 of you who are listening, um, you're welcome to volunteer. We need people to come in and cook and serve and help us rescue and share food every day. And um, my other, uh, and I'll close because I know you probably got to go and I got to go see if I can catch a little bit of the Chiefs. A little bit of the game, yeah. Um, But the other thing that I close with is is that, you know, this is something I just always like to say to anybody who's listening is that there's some place in your hometown, if you are still looking for your own volunteeristic bliss, a way to kind of like, you know, up the ante a little bit in terms of what you might give back that will serve a deep need in you. And I always really encourage people who are kind of thinking, gee, maybe I should do a little bit more to kind of try and identify what it is that might kindle that passion in you. And it's very different for all of us. It could be the arts, it could be education, it could be teaching kids to read, it could be helping to work on ecological issues, it could be food, it could be any number of things. I I always like to kind of make a little plug for the idea of brighten the corner where you are 
and find another group that's doing shit and join them. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to make it up yourself. That's absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's good advice. And uh, I I can second that having uh, done those things here in in my area at various times, starting nonprofits to help local makers and growers uh, have a marketplace and, you know, just find there, there, there are groups of interest that you can participate in that are likely doing uh, good in your community already. Like John said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And you'll make friends for life. Oh, you absolutely will. You know, because um, uh, obviously, by the if you get to those folks, they're obviously doing kind-hearted things, and kind-hearted people make really yeah. good friends. They do. They make, and you know what? If you're really base about it, you might even get laid. Maybe that's, that's true. You know, you know. Say, I mean, if you, the species must continue. Uh, in some regard. Don't go to an app. Go to a not-for-profit. That's even better. That's right. That's yeah. you know, volunteer your time at your local not-for-profit to to find your next date. Um, yeah, that yeah, John yeah. Billings. Don't be too obvious about it. Don't right, like you right. know. Like, yo, bros, I heard there would be some babes here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Enough of this teaching children to read. When's <laughs> exactly, exactly. John um, Billingsley said that there'd be sex. I, that's. I mean, you know that that ought to speak it right into existence for those of you who are struggling out there. Uh, in that regard. Uh, well, John, man, I absolutely appreciate your time and attention to be pleasure. here, brother. It's, um, uh, it's been a joy for me. I know the listeners are going to get a big kick out of it. Uh, we didn't and, talk about uh, bourbon. We never talked about bourbon. We didn't I, talk I, about bourbon. That's okay. Next, you know, uh, next, next time. time, that's it. See, that's the point is that there's always a next time we, we bring the show to a close and not to an end. That way we get to come back to it and talk some more later on down Fabulous. the line. Um, and with that, though, listeners, I appreciate your ears. Oh, it's the phone again. Uh, I appreciate your ears, and uh, we will uh, hope to earn them again for next week. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by sharing it with your friends. Uh, but if you'd like to support directly, you may do so uh, by reaching out at patreon.com slash D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R and becoming a patron where you can gain early access to these shows and much more. Uh, and with that, I'll say uh, good night from the Toad Suck Studios here in beautiful central Arkansas. Ciao, Bella. That's my wife on the phone. I better go get that. You better go get that. That is the uh, that is better than the bat phone. Hey there, listeners. This is Dan. Just going to pop in real quick uh, and let you know that the next up- upcoming segment here that you will hear uh, is the pre-roll for the interview. Um, there's some good stuff in there. John and I having fun. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to share that with you all um, and also uh, take the time to shout out to my patrons as they have been um, fantastic and with me through this incredible journey to bring you this show. Uh, so in no particular order, uh, hello to Sean Farrick, Albert Hogan, uh, friend uh, E-Safati65 uh, uh, at Gmail, uh, Johnny Staggs, Old Shark, Schwa Miller, uh, Kelly Quantrill, uh, Mark Stubbs, Brooke Perez, and Chris uh, Kunzel, all available on Twitter. Uh, and thank you all very much for your support through uh, through the show. And uh, without further ado, here is that pre-roll, as promised. Um, and again, you guys want to become patrons yourself? Check it out at uh, patreon.com slash D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. Thanks so much. Uh, there's the family, there's Star Trek, and there's Dungeons and Dragons, and trying to be cool on Twitter. That's in that, that order? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, you know, hanging out with my friends, meeting meeting cool people like you. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad you put your family first. 
Uh, my my family like seventh. It's terrible. Oh, like it's down like, the list. Yeah, it's um, like da, 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 and I lower them every day. It's like you know, booze. Yeah, novels, Jim Crackery, effluvia, family. Then the family. Yeah. Uh, yeah the do you mind if I record this video? Oh, I'm. I thought you were recording. Okay, I, that good. Was I've got the, audio the best going. remark I'm going to make. Record yeah. away. Oh, damn. All right. Well, you know, now you're not on the record for being mean to the family. Here we go. No, I'm going to come back around. Now that you're recording, the, let it be noted that the first remark I made, which was not recorded, is that I put family well down the list of concerns <laughs> beneath such things as effluvia and et cetera, because. And, and the gym crack. First. That's right. That's right. Uh, so before this, uh, before this goes out to the world in a, a few weeks, um, and before we get professional, uh, hmm. I just wanted to get. Yeah, we don't get too professional. I didn't shave, so yeah. And well, I'm you know, neither. Did and I. I'm drinking a beer. I even have. Um, I, I got some mustache wax recently. There you go. You can kind of see that. Oh, yeah. look at that! Look at yeah, that! They're gonna yeah, go I, all twirly villain. Oh, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I don't think your mustache is one of the uh, waxable kinds, is it? Is that what you're shooting for? Yeah. Well, once you get it, it's it's a little bit longer. It blends oh, into the okay. uh, blends into the you know like the. Oh, I, I see. Is, it, is that what you're aiming for? Are you aiming for like where you can just twist it bit. behind your ears? Yeah, and, yeah, just a bit. Not uh, not. You can tie parcels to each end of it and yeah, carry basically them. Basically, carry some water. You know, yeah, when the cool. apocalypse come, finally finishes, cool. Uh, we can do that. Here's um, guy at the yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I uh, but I did want to say just a few things, John, before we get into the show, because the show's not Star Trek focused at all. It's about me and you talking to each other and shit like that. Um, but uh, Star Trek is a huge part of uh, me and what I do um, and your character specifically um, is one of my favorite. But the um, when I'm struggling, oh, I bet you say that to all the fat characters. All the, all the, all the Trek. If Ethan Phillips was here, you'd be saying, "Oh, oh Ethan Phillips." <laughs> you might even Only think I the... am Ethan Phillips. Yeah, no, right, time. exactly. No, and Neelix, I tell you, no. <laughs> uh, but right. but your voice as Doctor Flox, um, I struggle with some mental health uh, difficulties, uh, bipolar, major depressive, uh, and general anxiety disorders, uh, and. When, you know, when I'm down deep, um, Dr. Flox with Optimism Captain is just there and, um, you know, almost every day sometimes. But uh, I just wanted to share that with you and let you know that that um, keeps me going, helps me uh, move forward and stay on target. So I appreciate that a lot. Well, I, I I only say the words they write, but thank you very much. That's appreciated. Well, you know, you deliver. Now, of course, you're going to meet me, and yeah. I'm going to blow up your anxiety, depress the fuck out of you, and see that's what they say. Never meet your heroes, but you know, exactly, too late, right? exactly. Too late. Too late. Blocks are just well, a fictional construct. Yeah, the real yeah. me. <laughs> it's just the. It's just pata. So. Uh, well, uh, let me do the, let me do this intro thing and then we can, we can pretend to be real okay. about it. All right. Uh, so, ha, ha. Uh, 